And good morning. Good morning, guys. On this Sunday morning, I uh, hope and pray God is doing great things in your life and things are going well for you. Well, it, uh, it's a little sad. We have been talking about buckle up the statements of Jesus where he says, truly, truly, I say to you. And uh, then he would say something, give them a teaching that was really, really important and very critical. And we've been looking at a bunch of these. And today, uh, we're going to kind of wrap this up. This is going to be our last one in this series as Jesus kind of wraps up things and uh, he's out of here. And uh, this, is a great, this is a great event in the history of Jesus's ministry and in the history of all mankind. This is, this is what gives us hope and peace and, uh, and, and uh, the kind of the awareness that life on this earth is, is not all there is, that there's more to it. There's, there's another place that God is uh, preparing for you and me who love him, who serve him, who honor him with our lives and call him Lord. There is a place that we will go when we leave this earth. And that's what's going to happen today. Last week, uh, well, a couple weeks ago, without saying a word, Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, what stone? And so this is in the very end of Jesus's life. He rises from the dead and it's like, what stone? There's no stone keeping me in, in this grave. And, and an angel comes, moves the stone, and Jesus resurrects from the dead and he is alive and well to this very day. Last week, Scott uh, Shipman from Helping His Hands, Indiana, came and he preached uh, to us live at BCC, and the title of his sermon was Be the Light. Go be the light. Be the light for somebody in the world. Be the light. If you caught me online last week, my uh, message was Buckle Up, Jesus Appeared, and we talked about the appearances of Jesus. Many, 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 many days, many appearances, hundreds of people, overwhelming testimony in a court of law that he is alive, that Jesus did rise from the dead. No doubt about it. And um, that's going to kind of lead us to where we're going today. Okay. There's really only, after the appearances, there's really only one more thing Jesus did. And that's what we're going to zoom in on today. But let me, let me start like this. Horse racing. Um, you know, if you've ever been to horse race, there, it's pretty powerful to watch horses race. I mean, if you're down there by the track and they come running by, you know, from the stands or from TV, they don't look all that huge. But live, when they come running by, it's, they're, they're powerful. They're muscular. They're strong. They're tall. They're big. They're insane. But in horse racing, there is what is known as the Triple Crown. The Triple Crown and, uh, involves three races. Thoroughbred horses racing in these three races. And if... You win all three of them, it's called the Triple Crown. You win the Triple Crown. There's three races. The, the first race is the Kentucky Derby. Then there's the Preakness Stakes. And then there is the Belmont Stakes. Those three horse races in a year's calendar make up the Triple Crown. Since 1919, that is 103 years ago, only 13 horses in, in 103 years. Think about that. 13, only 13 horses have won the Triple Crown, all three races. The last one to do it was uh, back in 2018. It was before COVID. 
And the horse's name was Justify. Justify was the last one to do it. In 2015, a horse by the name of American Pharaoh did it a well-known horse name, and probably one of the most well-known horses in 1973 that won the Triple Crown. That horse's name was Secretariat, the, the Triple Crown, the Triple Crown of horse races. Well, today, today, Jesus is going to give us the Triple Crown in truly, truly statements. It's unbelievable, and, and he's leading us in this passage to where we want to go today. In other words, Jesus is going to say in this one event, in this one conversation, he's going to say three times, buckle up, buckle up, buckle up. Now that's pretty incre incredible, right? Three buckle ups. See, when Jesus says one buckle up, truly, truly, I say to you, he's saying pay attention. But when he says buckle up, Buckle up. When he gives us three buckle ups in one conversation, there's some major intensity in that conversation and what Jesus is trying to say or what he's trying to convey to the disciples or to whoever it is he's talking to. Jesus in, in, our, in our sermon today is going to put a big fat bow on his ministry, on his work, <clears throat> and on his mission here on this earth. A big fat bow to say, there it is. There's the complete work of Jesus on the earth. And today that bow is going to be a powerful bow. And in it, he is about to blow their minds. The triple crown of truly, truly statements of Jesus. Well, he's about to blow their mind. And as he, as he exits the planet, he, he's about to blow their mind as he like ascends back to heaven. Can you imagine, can you imagine, can you imagine being there with the disciples when they went up on that mound and Jesus is talking to them and then all of a sudden, Jesus just starts ascending back into heaven and you're just jaw to the ground in awe. And in your mind, you're thinking about everything, all the experiences that you had with Jesus over the last three years, the miracles, the teachings, the healings, the, the, the feeding of thousands, the walking on water, all these things, more than we know, more happened than were written. John tells us that. But can you imagine just now you're remembering all these are flashing through your mind as you see Jesus. He's just been crucified. He was nailed to a cross. He was flogged and beaten. He was speared in his side. He was dead. He was put in a tomb. He was so dead. And then he came back to life. And then he appeared to people for 40 days. And he appeared to you. And now you're with him one more time. And it's like, yes, this is awesome. This is on the other side of the grave. This is on the other side of death. Jesus is with us. This is going to be awesome. And now, though, he starts ascending back to heaven. That, 
that would just be the most incredible thing ever. In John chapter 3, Jesus is in deep conversation with a guy by the name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He's part of the Jewish ruling council. And uh, Jesus and Nicodemus are into this heavy discussion about being born again. And the discussion goes like this. John 3, verse 1. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Jewish ruling group. These are the people, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, teachers of the law. They do not like Jesus. This is early, John 3, this is early in his ministry. Jesus is just beginning to become famous among people. He's doing healings, he's teaching, and there's now beginning this conflict between the Jewish people, the leaders, and Jesus and his followers. So this Pharisee guy, he's got the guts to not just stand back and point and say, look what he's doing, look at Jesus, he's, you know, and let's get rid of him. He has the guts to come and talk to Jesus. This guy deserves lots of respect, Nicodemus. Great guy because he was willing to come and find out for himself the truth, which is so important for you and me today, right? We get in these times where, where we hear things and people say things and sometimes we just jump to the conclusion with everyone else that it is the way that we hear it. But a wise person, a smart person, an intelligent and a mature, courageous person goes to the source and finds out for sure what exactly is going on. Nicodemus comes to Jesus. He came to Jesus at night, probably didn't want to be noticed by other people that he was going to talk to Jesus for whatever reason. And he says to Jesus, Rabbi, he shows Jesus a lot of respect. He says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. We know that you're from God. This is like confirmation that even the Jewish people, the Jewish rulers who don't like Jesus, they admit Jesus is this, is got some unique and powerful ability. You are from God. We know this, he says. For no one could perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Now that would be a miracle and very painful. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of spirit. The flesh gives birth to flesh, spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit, flesh and spirit. He's talking water and spirit. He's talking about the physical and the spiritual, very clear. How can this be, Nicodemus asked? You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. Now Jesus is calling Nicodemus out a little bit here. You claim to be a teacher of the 
the Old Testament law and the prophets. You claim to be Israel's leader and teacher, but you don't, you don't understand spiritual things. How can this even be? Verse 11, very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know. This is Jesus talking. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then are you going to believe if I speak of heavenly things? And so Jesus gives us in this one conversation three truly trulys. This is the triple crown of truly truly statements. And um, the first two go like this. Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And the second one is similar to that. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of spirit. Jesus is clearly talking about spiritual things being born again. And he's talking about the difference between physical and spiritual. You guys think you have mastered the physical, but you have no understanding whatsoever of the spiritual. Did I say that right? You've, you think you've mastered the physical, but you are clueless when it comes to the spiritual. Clueless. Those are the first two of the Triple Crown, very truly statements that Jesus says. And in the third one, Jesus is going to very clearly simplify it all. He's basically gonna to say to them, look, I am talking to you about spiritual things, but you do not understand. You just don't get it. And in verse 13, he says, no one, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the son of man. Now, this is, this is where this event with Nicodemus comes in contact with our topic today. Look what Jesus says. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven. That's, that's, that's pretty incredible. And, and, and most of the time we, we get lost in the born again conversation and we don't even see this verse that Jesus says. See, to Jesus, to Jesus, the path between heaven and earth is a highway. It is flowing. It is busy. There are angels coming and going. It is the spiritual realm. And Jesus sees all of it. He always is seeing what's going on in the spiritual realm. It's a highway between heaven and earth to Jesus in the spiritual realm. To you and me, this is impossible. We can't see it. We don't see into the spirit realm hardly ever. Occasionally, God allows us to see into the spiritual realm. He let Elijah, when he was surrounded by, by angels on the mountaintop, and, and the, the angels said, there's more with us than against us. And God let Elijah just see a glimpse of the spirit realm, and they were surrounded by God's mighty army of angels. But that doesn't happen a lot with us. We don't get to always see that. We usually see in the physical. And to this, Paul says, we see but a poor reflection. 
We get glimpses of the spiritual. We kind of understand what's going on with it from the scripture. And occasionally we get a sense or a feeling of God doing something spiritual in our life and, and deeper than the physical. And Paul calls that a poor reflection, like a glimpse, a glimmer. But Jesus, the spirit realm to Jesus is very clear. It's very clear. He sees everything perfectly, not in part, but Jesus sees the whole. And one day we will be made like Jesus and we will see like Jesus. In John chapter 14, another passage leading us to our topic today, uh, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says this, a very well-known passage, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. It's Jesus saying, you believe in my father, believe in me too. My father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would not I have told you? I'm going there to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place that I am going. That's a pretty cool passage, isn't it? Well known, read in most funerals these days, a passage of comfort. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's comforting them. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. going to come and help them. He's going to be the comforter when he goes away. Jesus is going to go away. The, the Spirit is going to come. Jesus says, believe in us, my Father and me together. Uh, believe in us. And he says, in my Father's, home, room, in my father's house, there's many, many rooms. But that's not here on earth. It's somewhere else. It's in another place. And Jesus says, I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you to be where I am. This is some crazy, powerful, miraculous talk coming out of Jesus' mouth. The passage, this passage is full of promise. It's full of hope. It's full of encouragement. It's full of strength for us. But there's something else that Jesus is trying to say here, and I don't think we always see it. It's a big truth that he's trying to reveal. He's telling them, I am going back to my home. I came from heaven, and I'm headed back home. I am headed back there. See, the travel between heaven and earth to Jesus is wide open, and it's flowing all the time. There is this coming and going with Jesus and with God with the angels. He says, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. See, this is, this is about an ascension. It's about the ascension. It's about Jesus ascending and descending. Jesus' relationship with heaven and earth. The, the mediator, the go-between, between God the Father and all that is heaven, wherever that is, we say it's up, but wherever heaven is in the spiritual realm, not necessarily up, we just point to the heavens because of the sky and the stars and the galaxy, and it's out there somewhere. It's not here where we are, it's there, it's somewhere away from us, right? It's not this place. Jesus to Jesus is just constant flow. But he's talking to them about the heaven, about his ascension, where, where I am going. I'm going to leave her. I'm going to be going. 
It's, incre it's incredible. It's what Jesus meant early in his ministry in John 1, at the very beginning of his ministry, when he said, truly, truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Like the times that a voice from heaven spoke, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Times that angels came at the birth of Jesus. Angels came and went. And this is always going on. The shepherds got to see the angels, but they're, they're there all the time. There's a constant flow in the spiritual realm. We just don't see it. But Jesus sees it all. Jesus is telling his disciples in all of this. He's telling his disciples, I will rise. I am going to rise not just from the grave. And not only did he rise from the grave and gave plenty of proof of that, but he's saying, I will rise after the grave. I will rise from this earth. I am going to ascend from the earth. His ascension. His ascension is one of the greatest miracles and spectacles of all human history. Jesus ascending back into heaven, but it is one of the, the one greatest spectacles that is talked about probably the least. So let me just share with you like four quick truths about the ascension. Okay, four quick truths about the ascension. First of all, the ascension of Jesus was foretold. This was always in God's plan from the get-go. That Jesus would come, what the Messiah would say, do, all the hundreds of prophecies about Jesus. Although most prophecies that we read about Jesus are about his death, his sacrifice, his suffering, his resurrection. But plenty of scripture about the birth, where he would be born, what he would do, what he would be like. But in Psalm 68 verse 18... The scripture says this, the chariots of God are ten thousands and ten thousands and thousands. The Lord has come from Sinai, in, from Mount Sinai, into his sanctuary. When you ascended on high, you took captives, you received gifts from people, even from the rebellious, that you, Lord God, might dwell there. Praise be the Lord, our God and Savior, who, who daily bears our burdens. Our God is a God who saves. From sovereign Lord comes escape from death. The, the, the psalmist, thousands of years before Jesus got here, wrote these words, when you ascended on high. Already, uh, already talk in the Old Testament about the ascending, the ascending Jesus, ascending and descending. Other prophets pointed to the ascension as well. The fact is, two of them ascended themselves. They didn't taste death. Death. Enoch and Elijah. Hebrews chapter 11 confirms that Enoch was taken to God without tasting death. And 2 Kings 2, Pastor, we just studied not long ago on a Wednesday night. Elijah is taken up to God in a whirlwind. He doesn't taste death. They both ascend into heaven. The ascension of the Messiah was God's, God's plan the whole time. He came as an infant, fully human, and he ascended back into heaven, fully man as the conquering Christ. 
his final act of ascension. Secondly, secondly, Jesus said that he would ascend. Jesus said that he would ascend. In John chapter 7, verse 33, therefore Jesus said, for a little while longer, I am with you, and then I am going to him who said, I am going to him who sent me. In John 16, 28, I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. I am leaving the world again to go to the Father. John 14, the passage we just read, I go to prepare a place for you. Now, he didn't spell out exactly what the ascension was going to look like, how it would look on that day, but he's clearly talking about him leaving this earth and going back to his father. After Jesus rose from the grave on Resurrection Sunday, remember, the women came to the tomb and the angel said, he is not here. And in chapter 20, verse 17, Jesus says to Mary, stop clinging to me for I have not yet ascended to the father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my father and to your father and to my God and to your God. Jesus told Mary, I have not yet ascended to the father. Jesus spoke of his ascension. Jesus prepared the disciples through the gospels and his ministry that he would one day go back to his father. The third, the third truth in this is this, about the ascension of Jesus, is that the disciples witnessed Jesus rising back to heaven. They watched him go. An incredible, spectacular event. What a day. Can you imagine? Two of the gospel writers end their letters with the ascension. Mark 16 says, so then when the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and he sat down at the right hand of God. In Luke 24, 51, while he was blessing them, he parted from them and was carried up to heaven. How cool is that? And in Acts chapter one, the greatest passage Luke is writing, and he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father is set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. There's that coming and going. Jesus is going, the Holy Spirit's coming, angels coming and going. Heaven is, is a highway for God. In the spirit realm, things are happening all over the place. We just don't see it. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. After Jesus said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. And a cloud hid them, hid him from their sight. And they're looking intently up into the sky as Jesus is going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. Jesus is going to come back the same way that he went up. Paul wrote in Ephesians, but to each one of us is grace is given as Christ apportioned it. That is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took captives and gave gifts to people. What does he ascended mean? Except that he also descended to the lower earthly region. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. 
<laughs> Jesus. This ascending and descending is the highway. It's an interstate for Jesus. To you and I, we don't even see it, but to Jesus, it's as normal and natural as everything to you and I seems to be as well. In Philippians 2, in your relationship with one another, Paul writes, have the same mindset as Jesus, who being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to hold on to or to grasp or take to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. For that reason, therefore, God exalted Jesus to the highest place and he gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess or acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. And Peter said it like this in 1 Peter 3, who is at the right hand of God, having gone into the heavens after angels and authorities and powers had been subjected to him? See, we call this prophecy and prediction and all these scriptures about the ascension of Jesus. What we call this is overwhelming proof. Overwhelming proof that Jesus lifted off from the earth, ascended back into heaven, where he is with the Father right now, this very day. His ascension, it was foretold. His ascension, Jesus said it was coming. And his ascension, the disciples personally watched it happen. They witnessed it. And number four, the ascension of Jesus is proof of our ascension. It's proof of our ascension. See, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he conquered death, we too will conquer the grave. And because he ascended back into heaven and said he will come back to take us to be with him, then we too will rise and be with Jesus forever. In the ascension, in the ascension, we have the final piece of proof that confirms that Jesus truly is God. More proof of his lordship in the ascension. We see Jesus just topping it off, overflowing with proof that he is exactly who he said he was. Born in a manger, ascended back to heaven. His work on earth is finished. The final proof is given for us to believe exactly in who he is. Secondly, in the ascension, we have our marching orders. We know what we are now to go and do. If you don't know, let me tell you, in Mark chapter 16, the end of Mark's gospel, the last words of Mark's gospel say this. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his words by the signs that he accompanied them with. They watched Jesus ascend and then 
they went out and preached everywhere that Jesus Christ is Lord. Those are the marching orders. In the ascension, we have the final proof of who Jesus is. In the ascension, we have our purpose in this world, in this life, to go and share the good news with everyone. And in the ascension, we have hope to get out of this dark, rebellious world alive. We have hope. This world is not all there is to it. There's so much more. There is so much more beyond this world. And the ascension is just more proof of what's to come. That there is more to come. Way more than we will ever know. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul says it like this. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who fall asleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind. If you have hope in Jesus, there is no reason in the world for us to grieve at death. We laugh at death. At death, we laugh because we know that we will come out of the back of the grave and continue right on into heaven. We don't grieve like the rest of mankind who do not have any hope. Paul says, for we believe that Jesus died. He rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep, according to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, if those of us who are alive when Jesus returns and he's going to come while people are alive, why not while you're alive and while I'm alive? Why not now? We will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down, there he is, Jesus, coming down from heaven again with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we are still alive and our left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, he says, Paul says, encourage one another with these words. Paul says, we are in the know. We are not ignorant of these things. Jesus died. Jesus rose again. Jesus then went back into heaven to the Father. He went up so that he will one day come down and he will take us to be with him forever. Be encouraged by this hope. Be motivated by this hope. Don't let the devil steal this hope away from your heart and your mind. Let this truth, let this hope move you out into the world and go and do something great for the Lord. Last passage of scripture, 1 Corinthians 15, and we're going to wrap this up. Paul sums it up like this, so will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that was sown, the body that is sown perishable, falling apart, it is raised imperishable. It'll be eternal. It was sown in dishonor. It will be raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. This flesh is weak. It is raised in power. It is sown in a natural body, the flesh. It will be raised in a spiritual body, eternal. I declare to you, Paul says, brother and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, 
but we will be changed. In the flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the, for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will become true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. See, in Christ, only in Jesus do we have this resurrection power. Only in Jesus, there's no other name under heaven given to man by which we must be saved. Only Jesus has the power to conquer the grave and only Jesus can give us the power to conquer the grave in our relationship with him. We will rise to eternal life. We will rise to eternal life. This is for certain. This is a fact because of what Jesus has done for you and me. This is the hope for all mankind. Every tribe, every nation, every color, every skin, every nationality, anyone who ever shall come to Christ, whoever would give their life to Jesus and put faith and trust in him, anyone. The ascension of Jesus is what more proof do you need? When we consider the ascension of Jesus and everything that led up to that moment in the life of Christ, what more proof do we need? What else does God have to do for us to move us to action, to move us to honoring him, to following him, and to living our lives for him? See, it's going to be the ride of your life. The ascension is going to be the ride of your life. And I am telling you now, you are going to want to get in the game, hold on for your life, and you're going to want to buckle up. You're going to want to buckle up because the ascension of Jesus when he comes back and he takes those who love him to be with him forever is going to be the most spectacular moment of your life ever. Nothing ever greater than that. Nothing will even begin to compare to that. But you're going to want to buckle up. This series has been an incredible series. These statements of Jesus have been so powerful, so strong. And I hope and pray that we ha have paid close attention to them and that we will continue to pay close attention to those words of Jesus when he says, truly, truly, I tell you. God bless you guys. Have an amazing week. We'll see you next time.